Check, check, check. Check. Mic check, mic check. One, two, one, two. Yo, 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 what up? What up, it's your boys. What up, it's your boys. Welcome. Well, oh. Welcome <laughs> back to the Third Man Podcast. Yeah, this is a Jack White and Third Man Records history program, and this is a special miniature episode. Fell in love with a show edition of the program, and I am your co-host, Paul Kaminsky. I'm your co-host, James Kaminsky, and we are showing up in high fidelity here in a stairwell. Yeah. James and I, and this is true, are recording this in a stairwell. In sunny Burbank. Yeah. Uh, not unlike John Bonham recorded When the Levee Breaks. Uh, yeah. Uh, those of you who listened to the last episode will know that was included in that song from Pure Moods. So we are recording this here to do a, uh, an immediate reaction cast to... Sorry. No, that's all right. Go ahead. Well, James, where were we? Um, we were talking about John Bonham. Oh, yes. So James and I are recording this mini cast to give you a reaction to the... Boarding. <laughs> James and I are recording this minicast today to give an up-to-the-minute uh, reaction to the Supply Chain Issues tour we saw last night at the YouTube Theater at the SoFi Stadium in Inglewood, California, uh, by Mr. Jack White. Night one of a two-night stint. Yes, and we were going to record this uh, right afterwards, but... We were really tired, and the really crowd tired. was pretty rowdy, so yeah, <laughs> we we stopped at a Seven Eleven and slept. So now we're here in a storage facility. In we are in Burbank. We are in a storage facility. <laughs> so um, we, for those of you who don't, why would you know? I'm in the process of moving, and James here is helping me move uh, up from Los Angeles to sunny Portland, from sunny Burbank. <laughs> And um, Portland's known for anything, it's being sunny. But I had Jack White tickets, you see, and so James graciously offered to fly to L.A., also come see the show, and then drive up with me with a bunch of our stuff to, the, to our new house. So anyway, uh, we arrived, um, you know, earlier in the week and, uh, you know, kind of hung out a little bit, hoping to maybe catch a Jack sighting around town. He's, he's known to do that. We do know that he often... Uh, that Lalo told us that he plays at the Pickwick bowling um, uh, lanes in Burbank. But I think that was just for the Conan appearances because Conan films in Burbank. So it was an off shot. You know, it was a, it was a long shot is what I mean to say. And um, we did not have any Jack sightings. But we got to the uh, venue, which is at SoFi Stadium. So SoFi is like the new stadium where they um, that they just recently built. It's across from the LA Forum, and Forum's a historic venue in Los Angeles. A lot of famous acts have played there. In fact, uh, Paul McCartney and Wings stopped there in '76. I assume Led Zeppelin, that kind of thing. Um, it's large. It's uh, definitely. Uh, a, a very confusing venue, bad signage, and we arrived early. We got there at, what, 4.30? No, wait, 5. Probably got there at yeah, 5. Yeah. Um, we did not have early access, though. Uh, that did not stop us for, from getting into an early access line without really knowing because no one told us 
anything really, but that's okay. Yeah. Um, had I been a little more Karen-y about it, I probably could have gotten us into the early access. But in the end, it didn't matter because we got in and we got to the merch line when it was still fresh. A lot of great options at the merch table this time around. Yes. Um, I got a version of the three with the bird on it, which I love. Um, there's the uh, the baseball tee. I don't know what you call them. I guess that's what you call yeah, it. Yeah, it's a baseball tee with yeah. the Supply Chain Issues tour, and it has the, the dates on the back. I got that one when I went to see the tour in D.C., and uh, I love that shirt. Um, the logo for the, the tour is really, really awesome with the, the chain forming the supply, like some of the letters in Supply Chain. Yeah. Um, and they had socks, which I was very tempted to get, although $20 for socks no one will see. I, I, I mean, it's part of... <laughs> Part of the allure of getting a Jack White shirt is to have other Jack White fans see it and go, hey, 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 that's fun. You're paying for a couple haze. It's yeah. like paying for likes on the Instagram. That's right. But they also had Natalie Bergman merch, which I was tempted to get, but $60 for, for the Berg t-shirt. It's a funny shirt, though, because it's a gospel album, and she's got this death metal logo for Natalie Bergman on it. Yeah. It's very... Um, it's a cool shirt. But it is a cool shirt. Yeah, it's... Uh, I get that. Yeah. So we got our merch, and then we got grabbed a slice of pizza and headed in, and we were in the pit. Uh, but actually, while we were in line, before we got in, we noticed Quincy McCrary mm-hmm. was sort of wandering about and clearly meeting up with someone. Uh, um, it was Chad, actually. Um, the third man roadie. Oh, really? Yeah, it was Chad. That was Chad? That was Chad. Huh. Um, so Quincy was talking, well, so he, Quincy, we saw him and then we could have got like taken, taken a picture far away, but pre yonder, yeah, pre yonder, but, uh, didn't. And so we thought, well, that's just a nice thing that we saw Quincy. So anyway, after we got in had our pizza and got inside, um, James had to go take a shit. <laughs> and, um, while he was doing that, he saw Quincy outside. Uh, talking to Chad. And me being a coward, I did not want to uh, interrupt his Chad chat, is what I'm calling it. Um, and we... So I, 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 I waited for a while. I was going to, like, see when they would stop talking. They never did. And I was like, I, I don't want to be, you know, I don't want to be an asshole. So I don't want to, you know, bother Quincy. But, uh, you know, I'll chalk it up to, that's cool. I saw him there, too. And so I went to see Paul, who was, you know... Uh, being untouchable in our spot, Eunice. Yeah, uh, where we were by the by the rail, and um, I told him, and I was like, "Go, go, go, see him, go say hi." And I'm like, "I can't uh, because I'm a coward." And Paul's like, "Okay, I'll do it because I ha- happened to bring my sketchbook and a pen." So I was like, "I wanted an autograph, but you know." So I take the sketchbook, I go out there, I barrel through the yonder area. I actually had to hop over a fence. Um, <laughs> Punch no one, no one said anything. Got up to him, uh, waited a moment, and then said, "Mr. McCrary," and he turned around. And then that's when he understood what was happening. We had a nice exchange. I asked for his autograph. I said, "Have a good show." He was very nice. He asked who to make it out to. We did, we did to, to the both of us. And Chad the roadie, although I didn't know it was Chad the roadie at the time, complimented my shirt that I had just bought. Um, and, uh, I said, you put out a solo album not that long ago, right? He's like, yes, I did. I was like, it's very good. And I know it's very good because I bought it and I, I enjoy it. We like Quincy. We like Quincy. So anyway, uh, I said goodbye. I didn't want to overstay my welcome. Got out of there. Went through security again. 
and went back and joined up with James. Here's the autograph. You can't see it on the audio version, but on the YouTube version, you'll see James is putting the audio, the uh, autograph up. So then uh, we sat and we, or well, we didn't sit. We stood and we stood and studying was no good because <laughs> studders who just stood stand there like wood. And that's when James noticed that Quincy was actually coming down the stairs toward the pit. So I didn't have to have Paul jump over a barricade. Yeah. So uh, at that juncture, James goes, should I, should I see him? And I said, get her, Ray. And he, uh, he ran at him, yeah, full I, speed. Uh, so I, I saw him down there. He was about to enter the backstage area. And I said, Quincy. And he looked and he, he looked around. He didn't know who was talking to him. What? Yeah. what God? <laughs> it looked like the superstitious yeah. music video. And uh, we, uh, I was like, uh, you know, thank you for, for making great music. And, you know, uh, I appreciate you, what you do. And I shook his hand. And, you know, that was nice. And he... Uh, he was he was gracious. He was very nice. I don't. I didn't have a lot to say because I was nerve. I was nervous uh, because again, coward. He was shaken. Uh, yes. Um, and uh, but the, yeah, I was he was super nice and relaxed and appreciative. And uh, you know, I went on my skipped along my merry way, got, getting to actually meet the man who I got now an autograph uh, thanks to Paul. And so we we yeah. both got a nice little interaction with Quincy. So that was good. And then we stood there for a long time, and the DJ had a good. Is that um, Chris something? Stra- Chris Stra- something. Started with an S. Anyway, uh, he said he had claimed to know Jack for 20 years, so that we were thinking that put it around white blood cells, so I'm, I'd actually be curious. Yeah, I don't know how, how many listeners here have seen the Supply Chain Tour yet, but he is seems to be a mainstay. I saw him in D.C. as well, and he does the same shtick every time in which he... Uh, T- says to the audience, you know, uh, you know, who, how many years is your first show? And he's like, if you don't know, if Jack feeds off our energy, and you get, he, I think they're telling people now because people like they want to make, they yeah, want, they want the crowd to understand how Jack works in case they didn't know. So uh, he he says a lot, you know, he Jack gives you what you give him. Yeah, he's getting a little aggressive about it, actually. Um, <laughs> But the people in front of us was a group of people, and they were all very hyped and screaming Chris's name and stuff, and I think he liked that. So, you know, his, his DJ set was fine. I mean, he played Candy Girl. That was nice. He played, uh, oh, Blister in the Sun by the Violent Femmes, which spy, uh, spawned a sing-along with uh, nearly everyone in the pit, at least around us, um, which was super fun because I very rarely hear Violent Femmes songs and the world there was a metallica song that uh fooled everyone he was getting everyone to clap thinking jack white was going to come out and it just turned out to just be metallica yeah. it's like a, okay so then he, <laughs> yeah so then he introduces natalie bergman who was our intro act and natalie put on a great set she was wearing this kind of like elvis jimmy page jumpsuit jumpsuit and she looked like a rock star and mm-hmm. stuff and uh, her band was great so the band, almost, I think every last one of them was from the music video, was, was featured in the music video for, um, come on, shine, yeah, that one. Shine your light shine on me. Shine your light on me, yeah. sweet Jesus. Um, and yeah, they had the back, backup singers with the uh, sequin dresses and everything. And they, they, I mean, they put on a really great show. It's very mellow. So it's not like a yeah. hype music. It's not going to get you going. But um, it is, 
I mean, it's really solid gospel rock that I don't know if everybody in the crowd was prepared for. Yeah, so we were, were aware of the Berg because we enjoyed the Berg. We purchased the Berg. Love the Berg. Great. Gotta have the Berg. Gotta have the Berg. Berg is fine. Love I, if you haven't listened to her group, Wild Bell, that's actually where I think Warren DeFever produced Wild Bell. And that's how they got into the third man orbit, or how Natalie got into the third man orbit. But anyway, um, it was a good set. You know, like James said, I think some people were thrown off by the Jesus stuff, um, which is fair. I would have been had I not been prepared, perhaps, as well. But it was fine. An interesting stage banter. She looked a little nervous to me, actually. But the stage banter, she said that this was the first time she had met Jack White. I can't imagine that's true, because it did elicit a laugh in the crowd. So I don't know if the crowd believed it either. Um, I think it's real. I mean, it might be. But, um... Hmm? Is he asking for him? Oh. <laughs> um, uh, but, uh, yeah, it's, uh, she, she had said, you know, she introduced the, uh, her band, like, two songs in, and she's like, that's just a quick way to get a pop out of the audience. Um, yeah. And I thought that was... And I thought that was very funny. Um, the set was tight. Yeah. Um, all songs from her album, mm-hmm. I think. From Mercy. Yeah. Mercy. She released on Third Man Records. And um, yeah, she, it wasn't a terribly long set. Again, she seemed a little awkward. I got... I was... We were close enough to the stage. Again, we were maybe one and a half rows back from the rail. So very close. Yeah. And so I was able to project... I, I have camp counselor voice. I can project far and so i i told her wild bell rules because they do and she said no thank you very much <laughs> um somebody and, shouted that they liked their outfits that was yeah and um so the bergman set ended and um dj came back on and you know not to belabor it but we when we i love the stage setup for the jack show because they have this curtain and the band is behind the curtain, and so when it's time to go, the lights go out, but the, the, the lights behind the curtain light up, and they're like strobe, or timed lights, maybe not strobe lights, but like timed lights on all the different corners, so you see little flashes of the band playing their silhouettes. Yeah. It's a really nice effect. Um, probably one of the better like opening devices for a jack set I've seen. It's, it's really cool. It does have like a... Um... Uh, a vaudevillian, you know, country bear jamboree kind of vibe where it's, which I think the ukulele boy that's on stage kind of helps with that, but like the curtain goes up and it's like, uh, it feels like a, a an old timey show. Yeah. Uh, which I like, you know, he's, he's been behind the curtain and um, yeah, there's a, uh, you know, they're, they're playing the din to get, get everybody hyped. Um, and you see the ukulele boy on stage, which uh, has a, uh, a microphone in his ear and a speaker uh, so Jack can whisper into it and say say things. Um, but uh, so they, you know, they're about to start. Excuse me, they're about to start taking me back. Um, and Jack starts having a lot of uh, guitar trouble. So the rest of the band is is kind of timing in to and and extending the intro to taking me back. And Jack is trying to find a guitar that works. So he tried, I think, to different guitars. I think he tried like three, yeah, honestly. Three. And the roadie was out there trying to help and yeah. nothing was working. Poor Chad. And he he was looking visibly 
frustrated yeah. at the situation. And then after a while, he just sort of threw his arms up a little bit and went over to the piano and just did taking me back on the piano. Which is cool. I mean, it's, it, it is classic Jack roll with the problem and make it a solution sort of thing. And he, you know, he went with it, did it on the piano. And by the time uh, they were done with taking me back and going into Fear of the Dawn, the, the guitar had started to function again. Uh, so they, he hopped on it, uh, the electric and, and went into Fear of the Dawn right after that. Um, and it was about this time that it was obvious that something was wrong with his buttons on his shirt. Yeah, he kept trying to rebutton something. Um, it, he was clearly irritated at the buttons on his shirt because he was futzing with it a lot. And I don't know what it was. It could be like some of the... Maybe the in-ear was not functioning or maybe it was just like a size problem or something. So he's futzing with it, he's futzing with it, and finally, he, again, similar to the piano, he sort of throws up his hands, undoes his shirt, and takes it off, and throws it into the crowd, and it throws it directly at yeah. James and I. We're so close. We both had hands on the shirt, <laughs> but the person in front of us did, did end up catching it, uh, which they seemed thrilled with. So yeah. you know what? I, that person deserves it. Uh, he was... The person in front of us, uh, though tall, was very respectful and nice, and the, you know I, I enjoyed the uh, the crowd we had in front of us. Yeah, yeah, that was great. So, so, so there was his bare naked back up there, <laughs> and then he got a black shirt to put on, and then yeah, and then the show kind of resumed its regularly scheduled programming. And, but you could it put a it put a um, flavor on the show, which started in a place of frustration, which as we know can be a thing that inspires Jack to do more. Right. I, I think he doubled down on, on making it a good show to make up for those issues, those supply chain issues that he was having. Yeah. Um, and he he really, uh, he had a fire in his butt about about all this. And right in his butt. Right in his butt. That's the, that's the saying, right? Fire in your butt. And he had a fire in his butt. He had a, what we're saying is he had a fire in his butt. And we, uh, he... he I mean, he was soloing a lot at yeah. this show. There was every... I feel like nearly every song had a had an extended solo that was not the... is not the norm at shows. You know, when I saw him in D.C., not that many solos. Um, and and at this one, he did one too on um, uh, Floating Lily Island. Oh, yeah, uh, Contemporary Ground. Temporary Ground. ground. Um, he, did a, he did a guitar solo on Temporary Ground. Which yeah. was beautiful. It was great. And yeah. Quincy. Yeah. Quincy uh, McCreary singing backup uh, on Temporary Ground in Lily Mae's place. Fantastic. He has such a good voice. We had no idea that he had... Well, I guess I sort of did for the solo record, but I had I was missing the Lily factor in the last couple tours because she did provide some things that were that are not easy to get elsewhere. But Quincy, boy, he's got a nice little... It wasn't quite falsetto, but he's, his range is quite high, shockingly so. Yeah. Which is not really a surprise because his... his um, I don't know if they're his aunts or his mother and her friends or something, but um, the McCrary sisters were the ones that sang on over and over and over. So right. clearly there's some kind of professional and, training in the family. And his mother, I believe... Or a McCrary of some kind was in the video for, um, uh, God, what's, I'm forgetting everything today. Um, uh, the new, the new song, um, uh, that, the aggressive one that you let, I'll fear the dawn. 
Um, angry, it's one of the singles. That's a, that's a defeatist attitude. <laughs> oh, yeah. Don't be rude. Um, God. It's, what's the trick? What's the trick? It's the heat. It's, it's a dry heat. Yeah. It's making me forget. Uh, but yeah, she's she's uh, she's the radio singer, or radio personality. And that's oh, the trick. really? Yeah. Oh, cool. Okay, I didn't realize that. Yeah. So, anyway, um, the the other thing that surprised me, not surprised me, but something I, never, I haven't seen at least that close before was da- the relationship, the current relationship between Daru and Jack. That is cool. Because Daru studies that dude. He, like, looks at him, and I, I, we were so close that we could see his face, and he was, you know, he's trying to read what he's doing on the guitar, and he was just, when he vamped, he was vamping very specifically to the different kinds of things Jack was doing, and I really appreciated that about this show more than any other show Daru and Jack's relationship. It, it's got a little Meg flavor on it where I never really got that sense from Carla. Obviously, Carla had to study too, but... The eye contact. The eye contact. Yeah. And it was it was like he'd hold it. And like, yeah, he had to stick up in the air and he was ready to hit. Yeah, and he looked, he looked as though it was important to him that he get it right. And sometimes when Carla... And this is no knock on Carla. I love Carla. He's always drumming. But sometimes I got the hint from Carla where she, she was just like... She's such a, like, a different kind of person yeah i guess where sometimes there was not not a blasé attitude but it was definitely not like hanging on jack's every word but you could see in daru's eyes he was hanging on every note trying making sure trying to get it right i would say it's because carla's a a really tight drummer who's playing to the song and daru is more of a jazzy drummer in which he's yeah trying improvising and putting a lot of fills in and making it you know different every time he had um, these awesome inverted symbols that gave this oh, really yeah. cool like and he was doing little, thing. little rat-a-tats on him yeah smiling his ex- daru's expressions every now and then i'd look over to him and he'd he'd either be just smiling or he'd be given this face like oh something stinky yeah. oh, <laughs> oh and it's the music it's just making something smell yeah smell <laughs> definitely smell and um so the the set was not full of a lot of surprises. He played a lot of Fear of the Dawn. He played one song that must be from um, well, he did Entering Love Heaven is, Alive. Yeah, he did Love is Selfish, and he did a new uh, song that he said, he claimed he wrote yesterday. Or two day, a few days ago. And or maybe, maybe it was a few years, years ago. ago. Uh, I can't... Uh, who, can, who can tell anymore yeah. or whatever? So it was either a new song or it was a song that he was debuting yeah. from Entering Heaven Alive. We'll find out on Nugs. It was... Um, it was good. Yeah, uh, hold on. What are what, uh, What's the Entering Heaven Alive track list? Because I, I feel like I would know the song title if, if I saw it. Sorry to me. Well, well, while I look that up, um, why don't you say what, what your favorite... What, did you have a standout track? Uh, at the show? Let's see. Uh, yeah. Oh, God, yes. I think me and you both share the same thing. I think we do. Track, I think we do, is, and you should tell the people. Uh, gasoline. He did Dead Weather's Gasoline, which I, I think was a standout because none of us were expecting it. Because he only the only Dead Weather songs he ever performs at his solo sets is usually cut like a buffalo. 
I was like, that's going to be what we're going to get. And, and he whips out gasoline and fucking tears into it with, like, doing Allison's vocals. And it's like, whoa. Uh, so, I couldn't, couldn't believe it that yeah. I was hearing that. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a I look think at it this. might be a tip from you to me. Mm. That he played from Entering Heaven Alive. I don't know. I don't know. We don't know. Uh, it could have been something that he did just right, for all we know. Yeah. But yeah, Gasoline, by far and away the standout. Um, I thought it was an inspired temporary ground. Uh, it was a really, really um, high energy, fell in love with a girl. Yes. And then, that's when the crowd started yeah. pushing. Cause... So we got some moshing at this show. Um, not light moshing. Yeah. Yes. Let's not go crazy. But there was a lot of shoving and there was a wave of people... And um, we definitely were getting shoved around, and there was crowd surfing. I haven't seen crowd surfing at a show in a long the, time. The, if if anybody was there, we were pretty much directly right to the right of the uh, the person who crowd surfed twice, not yeah. once, but two different songs. Yeah, and there was um, there was a, a lot of pushing and shoving that I was not quite expecting from a Jack White show. And, and when I saw him in D.C. with my wife, who's you know pretty pregnant. I, I assured her that, you know, Jack White crowds typically don't do that. And at this one, I was glad she was not there because I would have felt that she would have been in physical harm's way, yeah. in danger. <laughs> then there was a, a an old older lady yeah. in front of James who had kind of elbowed her she way, her way up in. to the front. And I was worried for her safety, frankly, because a lot of people were the per, the... the the bigger gentleman up front was turning around often was like, are you okay? And I'll, you know, if you need any help, let me know. Yeah. Cause she was, I mean, she wasn't like ancient, but she was clearly like in her late sixties or seventies. And that seemed like a dangerous spot yeah. to be in. We also had a series of girls who were, uh, literally pushing to get in front of me and Paul, who, who then planted our feet and tried to do units. We locked arms. Yeah. Um, and they got a little annoyed with that and she elbowed her way to the side of me. And when gasoline came on, and I was going nuts. Uh, I started singing along with her, and she, uh, you know, t- went to her friends. She's like, "He likes the dead weather." Really, <laughs> yeah, she was pretty. And young. so then we uh, we had a little bit of camaraderie after the antagonism before that. Yeah. Um, so that was. I felt like we buried the proverbial hatchet. Yeah, the proverbial one, mm-hmm. um, not but, the real one. But not not again. Not a lot of surprises. Martyr for my love for you was good. It was good. Um, Icky Thump? Yeah, Icky Thump was fine. Uh, Yeah, I don't know. I I wasn't really surprised. Gasoline was really the only standout for me. And I liked hearing the new songs. Oh, I'm Shaken was there. Oh, I'm I'm Shaken was there. Over and over and over was there. Cannon. Cannon was great. And he did an interlude to Cannon with Isophobia. Um, yeah, that, that was good. Which instead of John the Revelator, which is really neat, um, and it's getting to the point where I've seen that Saturday Night Live video so much that I'm waiting for him to do uh, Lord's Coming Soon uh, in the middle of um, oh, yeah. Ball and Biscuit. Because he did a good oh, ball. he did Ball and Biscuit, which yeah. is when I turned to Paul and went, "Oh, he's in a good mood," because he he was he was getting the crowd to do it. Hey, hey. Right. And doing all the claps, and he was smiling at, at the, the crowd in front of him. So he was clearly happy, and he did not play Seven Nation Army, which means he was in a great mood because he didn't think he needed to hype the crowd up with that. Yeah, um, he ended he ended with Steady As She Goes, and it was a fine Steady As She Goes, you know? Yes, I, I that one did... It doesn't blow me away as an ending song, but I, I prefer it to Seven Nation, I think. Um, and... Uh, 
Yeah, he played uh, You Don't Understand Me. Oh, you know what was a, a standout actually for me? And I can't believe I'm saying this because it's a song that I almost actively skip now because it's so overplayed for me. But I thought he played a really good Dead Leaves in the Dirty Ground. Yes, that and, was solid. And I, it was a moment where, you know, even with the blue hair and he's a little older and and, and it's, the stage looks completely different, there was a moment during Dead Leaves where it was like, oh, yeah, this dude was in the white stripes. <laughs> and um, it was a kind of an, a weird out-of-body experience where it was just it just suddenly hit me that that's what I was seeing in front of me. That's the guy. And um, I didn't think I would have that reaction because it's a song that is so overplayed that I just don't, I don't actively like seek out not to listen to it sometimes. But I had a really good time um, thrashing around to that one. I had a great time thrashing around to Hotel Yorba, which is, you know, my favorite Stripes song. And I was... Uh, that's when I decided to give up and start bashing into people a little bit is during Hotel Yorba. And, uh, yeah, I had a, a blast dancing to that one. Um, the, uh, Black Bat Licorice is the time when I was trying to dance a little bit, but also that was when I was worried for my physical safety. You mean Lazaretto? Oh, sorry, yeah, Lazaretto. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I was a little worried for my physical It was getting well-being. raucous during Lazaretto, Because um, yeah. all I could think of was the Travis Scott concert and the, the crowd push that actually killed people. And so I was, like, when my chest was getting a little compressed between two sets of folks, I was like, yeah. is this how I'm going to go? Is during Lazaretto yeah. and making models of people I used to know at a coffee and cotton? But um, yeah. all of my children are... <laughs> all, no, it doesn't matter. I'm just going to sing the song. It's too all legitimate kids have begotten, thrown, thrown down to the wolves, made feral for nothing. So that was that was a really cool uh, thing. The The only song I did not vibe to, uh, to use Gen Z slang, is... Um, if you're going to say... Can I guess? Yeah. Heidi Ho? Yes. I loved it live. Really? I and found I, it lackluster because I, it's just... It, it feels like they're playing audio... I mean, they are. They're playing a pre-recorded rap with q-tip uh and it just feels like you're they're kind of going through the motions to me of just playing the song around q-tips i didn't love that song when it first came out i loved it live i don't i I found it had a new energy live the visuals are fun i really like the they have this like um blue dot system that gives the impression of of jack's face did they did they do q-tips face on the screen i don't know if you looked I didn't. at dc they had q-tips face oh, uh, come up and singing the good. song um as he was rapping uh, it was it was like the blue dot impression like uh, one yeah. of those um pin cushion right you know you put your hand in it and you can see your hand pop out the other side or whatever uh of, of q-tips face and so i i liked it better i think at the dc show and this one i i, I was not feeling for some reason but every other song i was in the zone, uh, I was really kind of just it. It was one of the the best Jack White concerts I think I've seen. Yeah, it's it's definitely like of the recent memory shows. I mean, it's hard to compete with the, that last Rax tour just because of the incredible way I saw that tour. You know, at Amoeba and mm. at that small club, and then at the Greek. Those were unforgettable shows. This one, I think, of the recent solo stuff, like it was far better than any Boarding House Reach show. One hundred percent. Boarding House Reach, though good, it was felt like a greatest hits show, and this yeah. one felt like a Jack White show. This... And I think Daru was the secret sauce. Honestly, I think Daru's energy. Yeah, he lends a certain uh, wildness. Yeah, because you think back. Okay, what was the what was the best Jack White solo tour? In my opinion, the Lazaretto, Lazaretto tour, yeah. and that's Daru. 
Um, so I don't know. For my money, I think that was what just what the secret sauce was uh, yeah. missing in boarding the boarding house read show. Because honestly, I, I was a little not resentful of Quincy, but I was sitting there thinking, "There's so much. There's, it seems like so much sampling. Like, do we really need this?" But this, for, for whatever reason, this time I was feeling it. Like, no, Quincy's synth on this. Quincy's synth on this on this tour. Yeah. fits so well. It's the perfect little brick that I think they needed. And Dominic. Obviously, yeah, keep, keeping the pocket alive. Yeah, um, he need Jack needs Dominic because Dominic can read Jack's mind. Dominic is the is the engine on the train. He is yeah. He is the the one who's just constantly keeping it going because um, he's known Jack for so long. And then fades into the background a little bit yeah. uh, because he's doing such a good job. Yeah, I liked it when he's brought out the, the upright up bass. bass yeah. Stand up bass was good, but I liked it also. Quincy played the piano a few times. Jack's piano, and I would have liked to have seen that more actually. Having him just play the piano. One one thought that crossed my mind, and I didn't bring this up to you, James, but during that, let's talk about the Lazaretto tour. During that Lazaretto tour, I always got the feeling that I was seeing people play instruments and replicate sounds from a record using their two hands. Hmm. Um, and so the sounds I was hearing from the stage were sounds crafted in that moment and in that moment only. And that's the only thing I still don't love about there being synths and samples up there because I know you no longer have that. And I'm not saying this as a complaint necessarily. It's just there was something kind of special about thinking that these people are making these sounds by plucking strings and stuff as opposed to, you know, pressing a key and there's there's Q-tips rap and and you know you could hear loops and some things in the background, um, so that's my only my only like soft spot on the synth. I would have preferred it honestly if Quincy was just up there with a piano like Ike used to do, yeah, and just played it like that or uh, Dean Fertitta or something. That's fair. Um, I think I think after Boarding House Reach, Jack obviously discovered how loops can be and I, I'm okay with it because there's a lot of analog sounds being created aside from that to to go with it I think it's more of a an overlapping flavor I think that's why I don't like the the Heidi Ho though is because it's it it feels yeah pre-planned and uh I I, I was telling somebody I don't remember who but there's at the DC show uh we can play a little sample of it if possible I don't know I have it on nugs um, where Jack yells at the crowd, does this feel pre-planned to you? Does this show feel like we had everything already, you know, done? Do we have a set list? No. And then immediately after, it plays Heidi Ho. And I'm like, oh, well, this one feels pre-planned. <laughs> because not only is, is there a rap that's going to it that you have already recorded, you have a stage show specific to this song that is now playing on, on, the, yeah. on the screen. And I'm like, okay, well, this one feels opposite. But everything else doesn't. And so that's why I feel Heidi Ho doesn't fit as well. And I think it's a fair criticism. For some reason, though, I just liked it better live. And maybe it was the surprise of liking it better live. I will say he's got a, he's got a roster of songs that he's going to, which makes sense because he, he needs to practice certain songs with his band and he doesn't want to deviate to the point where they don't know what to play or how to play it or are super rusty on it. So I think he only deviates with like one or two songs. But he's, he does seem to have a, a kind of a running set that he moves around yeah. um, because, you know, You Don't Understand Me seems to be a mainstay on this show, which I, I'm happy about. It's been about. a mainstay the last few 
to well, us. Well, no, he, he didn't play that. He doesn't play... He played at Boarding House Reach, and he played at the Racks with me. He played You Don't Understand Me at the Boarding House Reach tour? I'm pretty sure. Yeah. He, I, think, he, I think so. He usually just goes to Broken Boy Soldier on the on the solo tour. I haven't seen Broken Boy in a long time, but... Uh, anyway. Yeah. Um, so, like, I wasn't... Exp- I, I've been hearing that a lot on this tour, and going through the Nugs stuff, it, it, it seems like that's a mainstay. Steady She Goes does seem to be a, a, a pretty standard uh, one. Um, obviously, every show seems to be starting with Taking Me Back and Fear of the Dawn. Um, then at the DC show, there was a guy in front of me who was, like, trying to bet me money of what they were going to start with. And I'm like, you don't want to do this, because you're going <laughs> to lose. I'm going to... He's going to start with Taking Me Back. He's like, no, what if they start with... What if they start with Dead Leaves in the Dirty Ground? And I'm like, well, that would be cool. But he won't. He always... I mean, there is a consistency there where I've noticed a pattern where he typically starts with the single at the moment. Yeah. So over and over and over was the last tour. But I guess during um, Lazaretto, he was opening with Icky... Like, particularly during that Bonnaroo thing. Remember, I think yeah. he opens with Icky Thump. It's... I mean, I not that I... Like, again, this isn't a complaint. It just seems to be the, the kind of go-to thing uh, with him now. It feels less... It feels a little more planned than it used to. However, uh, I'm loving the sets that he's doing, and it was really cool to hear songs. I, because I, like I went to two shows and I, I did hear completely different songs. Yeah, g- so. gasoline was worth. I was telling James yeah. was worth the price of admission alone because you would have never thought in a million years if you had to guess. Like, oh, I'd, I would have just never come up with gasoline as the one because even in the dead weather, I would have thought he might have played. Blue Blood Blues or something, or because that seems to like the only two Dead Weather songs he typically plays: Blue Blood Blues and um, I don't even know if he plays Blue Blood solo. Uh, and and uh, no, he played Cut Like a Buffalo. Cut Like a Buffalo seems to be yeah. the only one to me. But um, but no, he played Blue Blood with yeah. But um, yeah, so Gasoline was a shock. I was really shocked about that. I, I think during Boarding House Reach, he played Three Dollar Hat once. That that's fun. Uh, I, I also have a soft spot for gasoline because of our sing-along at the end of the Merryweather show. That's right. Uh, shouting it in the car. It's <laughs> a good one. So, yeah, we had a great time. We, uh, we left uh, with our, our friend Tom Valente, who uh, okay. listeners will remember for appearing on the show a few times. He also was uh, one, part of the original uh, group of people that recorded our theme song mm-hmm. before Rad Key did their awesome job with it. And we uh, we all went home and had a had a gay old time. So that was awesome. That was our supply chain issues tour mini episode. We hope you enjoyed this uh, look back here. We're gonna probably just post this without any edits. It's like, so it might sound a little funky, and you'll hear some googling at times. But you know, we're gonna try and get this up and fresh and raw. We have a couple in the can, or we have one in the can, and and we have another one that we're putting together so the problem is we're on the move right now so it's a little tricky yeah. uh, but we're trying to get you some content here so yeah, yeah, yeah. some of that good good content yeah, you guys great good content content boys <laughs> all right so this is uh i guess until next uh, episode i will be looking for a home in this storage facility is that your vacant <laughs> and i will be looking for a home inside jack white's shirt that he throws off stage see you next time bye Thank you.